Hey there, it's Sam. And it's Birdie. And this is our first ever episode of An Atheist and a Jew Walk into a Bar. And today, (laughs) yeah, and we are going to be talking about this episode's title is Losing Our Religion. And we're going to talk about why we said uh, peace out Girl Scout to the traditions (laughs) in which we grew up in. Thanks, Um, but no thanks. Also, I love that the premise of this was to do this in the evening over a cocktail, but apparently morning is going to just be a coffee bar. (laughs) So we are here in the morning before I have to run to lecture. So this is going to be a wonderful preamble to sitting in lecture, which is great. The idea behind this was that Every time that we're doing History Between Bites, we keep going on these wild religious tangents, uh, and mostly because it's the personal interest for both of us and and an academic interest also for both of us, really. But we can't keep all those hours of things in HBB, so... Otherwise, it'll end up being a six-hour podcast, and we're not Joe Roganing it. No, we're not, no. We both grew, grew up Christian. Yes. So what denomination did you grow up, Bertie? Okay. <clears throat> so there's a little bit of there's a little I bit love, of story to this. First off, I love who anybody who's not Catholic always starts off their Christian story with, well, okay, hold on. <laughs> Give me because, just a second. Because Catholicism is very sort of simple, right? You're born into a Catholic family, you do the process, you do the thing, and then you either stay Catholic or you're a reformed Catholic. Any, so I'm going to go with, it's at least- Or you're a lapsed Catholic. Or lapsed you can be Catholic. a lapsed Catholic. Yes, yes. Or a recovering Catholic. I've heard that one too. I love uh, that one. But so clearly from a Protestant denomination. So mm. explain. Okay. So when I was young, enough, like real little, my parents bounced around from church to church to church, trying to find one that fit. We did holidays in a, what denomination was it? There's, hmm, excuse me. It's either Southern Baptist or Presbyterian. It was the one that my great grandmother went to. And uh, it was all the boring things you can imagine. <laughs> was, you it, know, was, was it, was it, was it, our God is an awesome God. He reigns. Was it that? Oh, boring? no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's the crazy. My mom got faulted later. Mm. No, no. Uh, this one was very, how great thou art. How great thou art. Oh God! My soul, my Savior, God, to the except I'm I'm speeding it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a funeral dirge. Every hymn was a funeral dirge. It was always boring. Uh, even they say, somehow managed to make a story of like crucifixion over Easter boring. Do you know how hard it is for a kid to make gory, bloody, gutsy shit boring? And yet they manage it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um. So. Yeah, that was great. Well, first you take all the blood and gore out of it. And then you like sanitize it really hard. Yeah. And then like white Jesus, white Jesus. And then it's like bluebird on my shoulder style where he's just like crucifixion wasn't really all that bad guys. And you're like, wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's a way that's okay. (laughs) I I guess you get there. And then 2009 happened. Um, What happened in 2009? Love. So my Aunt Kathy died in 2009. Mm. She had been fighting since 2007 against a bone cancer called multiple myelitis. 
it's a blood cancer, but it lives in your bone marrow. It's uh, evil. There are very few things that I would describe as like truly evil in this world. That's one of them um, because it literally eats you from your bone marrow out. It's rough. It's terrible. She wasn't really a person by the end of it. Um, It just hollowed, it hollowed her out. It hollowed out my family in a lot of ways. That was the beginning of the big schism. So there are like multiple places in my family where just nobody gets along with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started it was yeah. the death of my grandmother might be the matriarch on paper, but Kathy was like the lodestone. She, she, kept she seems everything like the, the sort of blue that kept your family together. Yes. Yeah. Very much. She was, she was a keystone member of the family. And when she was gone, like things just fractured into pieces. My mom was her primary care throughout all of this, uh, more so after 2008 when everything crashed and my mom lost her job and she lost everything she put in retirement. They had to max it. Like they had to cash out their 401ks and everything just to keep the family afloat. Yeah. It was, it was a really bad time. They, I'm going to be really fair to my parents here. They sheltered me from like 99% of that. I knew that my mom lost her job and I knew things got hard, but I didn't know how hard we always had food on the table. Sorry, because 2008, you were middle school? Yeah, 2008, I would have been, my sister was four, so I was 14. So high school, just just going into high school. I voted for the first time in 2008. I loved this game. And I I was, uh, it was not the year I turned 18. I turned 18 in 2005. So I was 21 the first time I voted. Um, because election cycles, I wasn't old enough to vote in the 2004 election, but I, I just love this. It's like, oh, right. So I was voting. I was, I think I was too young for the 2012 election. No, I would have been, I would have just turned 18 for 2012 and I voted for Obama and I told my parents I voted for Romney because I didn't want to get kicked out of the house. Okay. Sorry, parents. Joke's on you, ducky. She's already out of the house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So 2009, my aunt dies, my dad. So they have the the service at the church where my grandparents went like Mm -hmm. clockwork every Sunday, which come to find out that was my grandpa. My grandmother didn't give a shit. I don't think she's been back since he died. Maybe, maybe for like a month afterwards she was going. And then it was like very sporadic. And now it's like, she's a church Easter Christian now. Nice. Nice. Which is great. I didn't expect to have that in common with my grandmother that we're both just like church. No, Man. but, but thankfully we have nothing else in common. So that's good. I love my that dad, the potentiality of our family listening to this podcast. I know. I know. Uh, they know who we are. They can't get their feelings hurt anymore. I have, I'm in the closet with the light on the door open. Like if they yeah. don't see it, it's because they're not looking. Yes. So they have the service there. It's easily the most boring church I've ever been to, including my great grandmother's maybe Presbyterian thing. It's in her hometown. It's where she grew up and stayed all 96 years she was alive. 94? 96? I can't remember. At that point, I don't think it matters. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Super boring, but Pastor Don was a really, really great guy. His wife was really great. They were the first people to introduce me to vinyl records and let me listen to some. Nice. Um, so they developed that interest really young. Mind you, the first things they let me listen to were uh, Hitler speeches on vinyl. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. So Don had them because your, your pastor mm-hmm. introduced you to vinyl. And instead of being worried about, like, I was like, oh, did he at least get you interested in something that was like kind of cool, like Led Zeppelin? You listened to Hitler speeches? Uh-huh. Wow, you grew up in the South, girl. Well, here's the thing is Don served in World War II, and he stole those from an SS officer's house after okay. killing the shit out of the guys. So. Okay, all right. Okay, so redeemable. Sorry, Pastor Don. I thought you were a Nazi. Uh, I, I thought the same thing because he had, like, he had a lot of, like, history books that are kind of dog whistly now. Yeah, okay. Um, like, he just happened to have a casual... Uh, he had... So he had, he had Mein Kampf. He had American Caesar, which is about Douglas MacArthur. Yeah. Um, he had, oh God, there was another one. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, oh, yeah. which is, if you don't know that book, podcast listener, it's a 2000 page anthology of the entirety of Hitler's history and all of the politics leading up to World War II. But does it talk about his sex life? Yes. Oh, nice. Nice. I it just listened to losses kind of glosses over yeah. several yeah. portions but um the fact that of like what was it six out of his seven wives or five out of uh, uh, sorry not wives not wives i think it was sexual partners in his life six lifetime. out of the seven uh confirmed sexual partners that he has had committed suicide yeah yeah including including his wife yeah well my yeah. dad my dad used to make this terrible joke um especially when i was doing world war ii history as like part of a larger project Mm-hmm. Um, in my world history class, ninth grade. Yeah. Cause it was right after Kathy died. Um, he was like, yeah. And that last wife, Blondie, that was the name of his dog. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, he has a point. Your dad has a point. <laughs> dad has a point. I'm pretty sure he loved the dog more than he loved any of his wives. 100%. One sexual partners. 100% yes um but, but to divert back to Pastor Don from Hitler <laughs> yes um so he got me interested in vinyls because I thought it was really cool that you could put a vinyl record onto a thing with a needle and then like sound would play it's wild it's like uh, the simplicity of technology when we were growing up like because things were moving so fast and progressing so quickly and we'd I also kind of missed that stage of technology Mm-hmm. So I think our interest in technology and like our interest in how things work was kind of embedded into us because of that era, like the technological information age. And so I think we had the same kind of reactions to new things as we had to old things that we just weren't yeah, familiar with, like, which is fascinating. It's like, oh, that's really cool. So my dad really connected with this church. For some reason, it just like really stuck in his heart. And for like, Four or five years after Kathy died, uh, while well, Don was still the pastor, I think he really connected with Don, yeah. less so the, the church and more with the pastor. Uh, he was a deacon there. He went every Sunday. He spent time, like he got lunch with the pastor. He did work for the church because my dad does construction. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize we had that in common. Yeah. My my dad puts in windows now. Um, nice. Okay. He works for like a glass company that does Very like cool. commercial but I'm sure he's worked in every aspect of construction. Oh yeah. I, yeah. That's the only way that you, unless you are still in your twenties, you've really worked in every aspect of construction. If you say I'm in construction. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah. uh, you become very quickly kind of a, a jack of all trades. Absolutely. You can do everything. Yeah, absolutely. 
I can handle like some of the shit with construction, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy to people that meet me because they're like, they look, they see me. Yeah. And they're like, we're at least not intimidated by it because we're, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, if my dad could do it, I could do it. Like, he's not a yeah, big I kinda dude. Had that yeah. I'm like, he's not a big burly dude. He's not particularly like, on like, I, I could aspire to do all the shit that he does. Like, you know, my dad's, I don't know, barely six foot, 140 pounds. Like, if he can wield a hammer, so can I. My dad's a total goofball. So, like, yeah. knowing that he takes his job extremely seriously, I'm like, well, if he can do that, I can do that. Yeah. Sort of yeah. That is one um, thing I will say about my dad. He does have a um, probably an unhealthy work ethic, but it is there. So, well, that's good. He can math, uh, though. I can't math. I can kitchen math. That's about it. Yeah. No, he math, he maths really well. Like, measure math, he measure maths really well. He can like look at a wall and be like, yeah, like in like, uh, just wild. Yeah, that's 8.4 feet across and I'm going to need. Yeah, he works in fractions. Half. It's not decimals, fractions. Okay, so that's like eight and. Eight and a quarter. Fifths. Yeah, yeah. Eight and two fifths, eight and a quarter, maybe. I'm going to need. Yeah, yeah I can well, see that. Yes. Spatial reasoning. Y- yes. Anyhow, uh, sorry, I keep diverting no, the conversation. This is totally fine. Um, this is not a formalized podcast where we've done research and all that. So yeah, not even a little bit. The only, I mean, we've done lots of research. It's just called life. Yeah. <laughs> School of hard knocks. We, <laughs> we are an expert in this field, which is our upbringing. Our lives. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, so, my mother ran from that church like her ass was on fire because <laughs> she grew up in that kind of church. Like she'd okay. been there. It was boring. It didn't appeal to her. But she was still seeking that kind of connection. And of course, she was dragging us along with it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and her friend, Suzanne, invites her to come to a service at her church, which is, um, I'm going to say the name for you so that you have some context. Uh, I prefer if it was edited out yeah, for my mom's privacy. Okay. Um, from here on, I'm just going to call it Pastor Brad's. Okay. Uh, or some version of that disparaging name. So Pastor Brad's church is everything that you, everything bad you can imagine about the step and a half down from Pentecostal. They don't handle snakes. I, although but, I didn't know that that was a thing about Pentecostals, that they were snake handler charmers. Oh, and so, and I also have a, a little sort of dabbling in Pentecostalism for a second, but that was wild to hear from you. I was like, they do what oh yeah snake handling it's because of that one verse in the new testament about if your faith is pure and true you can handle venomous snakes without dying now we need to research now i need to know how many protestants or pentecostals have died from snake bites. in the last year it's been at least five that have made the news anyways okay so it's usually local news but so pentecostal church brad no snakes Yes, no snakes, but there was rolling in the aisles. There was speaking in tongues. There was mm-hmm. a 45 minute altar call and rock music. There was like rock music at the beginning. Uh-huh. And that's where you get the, our God is an awesome God. But yeah. it's got like actual drums and shit. And yeah, like yeah. the pastor's wife is one of the singers and she's not very good, but she's not terrible. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like tolerable. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of entertaining. This is cool. This is cool. Lots, lots of, was it a lot of like cream and white <sighs> outfits for the band or did they wear color? Oh, they wore color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. big sparkly tops yeah. with yeah. big flowers <clears throat> on them. And their hair was like, you know, 
the higher the hair, the closer to heaven, honey. Those kind oh, of things. Right. Southern, Southern. I keep, I mean, I don't very, forget. Very, very Southern. Nice. Okay. Very, very okay. Southern. Cool, cool. Uh, lots of peaches. Lots, lots, of, lots of, I mean, you're in North Carolina, but like that style for like, I don't know, uh-huh. it's a stereotype in my head that like Georgia peach, you know, pray to God yeah. on Sunday, wash your mouth out on Monday of your curses or what I don't know that shit yeah um it's more of pray to God on Sunday and then Sunday after church at lunch stiff the waiter insult them a little bit because your waiter's probably a heathen or a heathen I work Sundays all the time (laughs) oh got it sorry I was thinking racist no we're talking I mean it is but (laughs) no it's being your waiter is a heathen because he works on Sunday (laughs) yeah so yeah, you don't yeah. need to t- tip them because where are they going to use it in hell? Kind of, yeah. Um, so because we're, we're not all living this life together, but okay. So my mom meets the cult leader. I mean, pastor, pastor and Brad. she gets Pastor Brad, and she gets real into like his teachings and thinks he's the best. And my parents start having marital problems at this point. And what do marital problems in this kind of cult church do? Uh, they make them worse. Yeah, I'm like, did Pastor Brad try to try to bang your mom? He didn't. I don't think. Well, maybe. Uh, did he encourage divorce? He did. So yeah, he yeah. told her that uh, he told her that a man without faith was a yoke around her neck, and she did not need to live with a yoke around her neck. And I'm going to be really fair to my mom. She heard that. She understood what he was trying to say, and uh, she disagreed. She was okay. like, um. I overheard this conversation, which I think is part of the problem. Um, I overheard this conversation and we were in the car and I'm 15 and still grieving and just exhausted because she had, she had told Brad that my dad had said to her in confidence as like a moment of just terrible grief because he and my aunt Kathy were really close. They were like sibling. That's his sister. No, that's sister. my mom's sister. Oh, okay. Okay. So he became like best friends with his own sister-in-law. That's my, my dad, I'm not going to tell his whole life story, but he didn't grow up in church, which is why a very boring, sedate, normal church yeah. appealed to him and why a very close-knit family, like my mom's side of the family was at the time, Makes also sense. really appealed to him. Makes sense. When your life is chaos, this little oasis yep. is really attractive. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he I said, I think that factors into my story a little bit because I I can that resonates yeah he uh he told my mom in confidence like in the middle of grief he's like I don't know if I can believe in a god that took someone like Kathy out of this world yeah the way that he did anyways right the way that she went right everybody dies yeah Um, but but yeah like but dying horribly and like not being yourself by the end of it and all which is a perfectly rational response during grief. Yeah, it's totally every, normal. Every single person who has experienced grief has, ha- I mean, at least had the um, intrusive thought. Yeah. It's like, it's one of my go-tos is, is uh, Stephen Fry's asked when he gets up to heaven and meets St. Peter, what is he going to say to him? And Stephen Fry goes, bone cancer in children what's that about yeah like really like how how dare you how dare you bring such suffering into this world that is not our fault yeah. like 
it's a totally reasonable and rational rational way to think about these things but my mom took that and she was well, afraid. especially sorry especially growing up in a tradition that says that your god is all good yes in a tradition where that maybe is not the case and there's ambiguity or your gods can be flawed like no one's asking zeus why i mean no one's asking zeus anyways but like nobody would have asked zeus in the ancient world why their why children die because zeus was a fucking dog yeah but the, oh, I must have pissed off the gods. That's why I lost my son. That yeah, kind of which thing. is also problematic and traumatic all sorts of ways. But the ways in which Abrahamic traditions present God as all-knowing and all good, it's problem. Like it's it's a fundamental it's, a it's in Job. It's in the book of Job. Why do good people suffer? And what the fuck is God doing to stop it? Which the answer is nothing. Um and, and God didn't fucking answer. Yeah, and you know that exactly because. I made the Leviathan. Didn't I make you? I did all of the universe. Can you make a universe? Like He pulled the traditional bullshit mom because I said so. That's what he did. In a thousand fucking words. In his bullshit pompous way. And really he didn't do it because we all know that it was written by somebody else. Yada yada. But yeah, he was like, because I fucking said so. Leave me alone. Like you don't know my ways. In Jewish literacy, which is a book that I was given by a now your friend used to be your mutual friend. It there's a whole section on Job. Ah, got it. Sorry, I had to think for a second. I was going through all my shul friends. Now I know who you're talking about. Yes, there's a whole section on Job and talking about why Job might have been written. And given the time frame that it was written in, it's very much thought that it was trying to explain a lot of the a lot of the terrible things happening to otherwise good people. Like these are. T- it's not the first genocide that the Jews went no, through, no, no. but one of the worst. Yeah, so uh, the book of Job is written um, very close to, during, maybe right after the um, Babylonian exile. And so you have a foreign invader who not only comes in in conquest, right, and tries to kill, because that's, we get that, right? That's not just a Jewish thing, that's an a ancient world thing. Um, but then they start pulling people out of your region to have them live in Persia, essentially, and then tell them that they can't be Jews, right? So you can't, they're destroying and, and destroying Torahs, they're prohibiting all those things. Um, first, they come for, you know, rabbis and, quote, elite members of society, and then they come for everybody else. So literally all the Jews are being are being pulled away. This is also after the 10 tribes in the north have been destroyed. So 10 out of the 12 tribes have been destroyed. The two tribes that are left are in southern uh, Israel now. It's called Judah, which is where you get the word Jew from. Um, and and yeah, so they're trying to write through this. They're trying to figure out what is it that we've done to deserve this? And the answer in Job is that you didn't do shit. Sometimes fucked up things happen. But if, you don't, but if you don't curse me, Maybe you'll get your shit back. Yeah. Maybe I'll take favor on you at some point when I get around to it and I'll redeem you. But for right now, bad shit happens to good people because that's because I took a bet. But really just because I fucking said so. Because I said so. And it's totally Uh, reasonable for your dad to have asked that question or said that. Yeah. And and like I was when I was questioning my own faith, which didn't happen until much later, I read the book of Job because my mom was like the way her church teaches it is that these bad things happen to Job because of the power of Satan in the world but him maintaining his faith meant that 
his life got infinitely better even after hardship, which is an interpretation. It is an interpretation. I would say it's a vastly different interpretation than a Jewish one. Uh, yes. But it is an interpretation. It's an interpretation. You could extrapolate that from the text. It's not the most off the wall thing. It's not. It's it. also kind of the most common interpretation, which makes it a little frustrating because that seems to be today the sort of the mainstream interpretation of Job. It's because Christianity is the mainstream interpretation yes. of religion. Yes. At least, at least in America. Western, oh, yeah. For sure. Western civilizations. The, the, the culture we are familiar with. Yeah. So this whole idea of like my dad questioning anything at all. And of course, like this, this church she grew, this church she grew me up in is very culty. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've joked that it's a cult church or it's a cult and they have a cult leader and it's, it's not inaccurate, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hit all of the markers. Okay. It is a high control environment. It is not as high control as it could be. Yeah. I would actually label it probably somewhere around medium control. Well, like, and people can leave. People can leave. And uh, they're not going to be ostracized or harassed. No, they won't be harassed. So um, they're not getting the Scientology treatment. No, they're not they're not being labeled as like suppressive persons or anything. Yeah. They're not necessarily being told to do harmful things to themselves. There's no Well, ritualist... except for divorce your husband while he's Yes, in but I mean like grief. like like end of life harmful things so there's not yeah. revolutionary suicide there's not like those sorts of things so we're no. out of the jonestown space yeah. um, we're not we're not we're not jumping on any comets <laughs> right we're just like going through them and we're not maybe are we are we hoarding a lot of guns not as an organized thing i do know that brad is a very passionate advocate for gun ownership i mean he's southern. he's southern so yeah. like it's yeah. it's kind of but the church is not the not as far as for ammunition not as far as i'm aware yeah so there's um, there's markers have, that doesn't that doesn't they do have a, a compound off in the north 40 in like super rural area of north carolina that i've never uh, been to my mom calls it a satellite campus uh, but it when i say it's the middle of nowhere if you're from north carolina you'll probably understand this reference middlesex it's in the most rural section of middlesex North Carolina. Fun. So he's got his own possible little Mount Carmel. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a really that was favorite. that was the name of so many Baptist churches around my area. Well, I, I mean, okay, probably because they were already named that, not because they were big Koresh fans, but like, but maybe really, ch- maybe change it. Well, most of them were established in like the 17 and 1800s. Well, and it's because you can't change it to Mount Sinai because they're like, is that a synagogue or a church? Is yeah. is that Jewy? Yeah. Right. Right. I did see a Mount Sinai Baptist Church when I was growing up, which was really fucking funny. Hmm. But it it was Mount Sinai, and the T in Mount was very clearly a cross. Oh yeah, okay, makes it clear. I was like, okay, but now that I know Jews, I'm like, so how messianic were you? <laughs> how how deeply did you culturally appropriate Jewish Jewish tradition? Yes, yeah, uh, but yeah. So I love to think that all Christians culturally appropriated Jewish tradition. Yes. Like Christianity is cultural appropriation. Well, I mean, um, but that is for a, that's Jewish. for a whole different episode of this, this podcast. It's not just Jewish cultural appropriation. No, though. absolutely not. No, there's, there's plenty of different traditions that they just culture vultured. Oh, well, you mean like paganism? No. Yeah. What? No. Anyways, Although they appropriated their own culture into, uh, anyways, again, conversation for a different podcast. 
episode. Different episode. Different episode. So yeah, that was kind of how I grew up. My parents, I, I kind of went off on my mom about this whole conversation. I was like, you can't hold the things that dad says against him in private like this. Like he's, he's telling you how he's feeling. He's being open and honest with you in the way that you've asked. And you, you cannot hold this against him. Especially at one, she's asked Two, it's hard for people in general to share feelings. And I'm going to go stereotypical for a second and gendered. It's probably very hard for a man, especially white male of a certain age. And again, I'm being gendered and I'm overly like simplifying and kind of painting with broad strokes. strokes Yeah, but but a lot of those gender roles came from that time period. Well, yeah. And so like typically, I mean, if he lost his mom, right, that would be the one that you might have a little bit more of a safety net to be vulnerable with your emotions to, or at least be able to talk to someone who society has given the skills, right? Women have the skills to discuss their feelings in what societally in ways that men have not been given those skills, especially in that era. And so that resource, right? I don't want to just talk about his mom as a resource, but that resource is is now gone for him. So not only is it not safe, but there's not people who are like, they, they don't have that language. They're not fluent in the language of emotion. As I said, like that was the, that was the emotional stability my dad was dealing with growing up. Got it. Yeah. Which is why I think this like stable, quiet, easy church where everything, you can set your watch by how that church worked is like 11 o'clock services start. Shirley starts playing the piano. (laughs) I don't want to just make it sound like nobody is doing. Shirley starts playing the piano at 11 o'clock on the dot. Yeah. She plays it until 1105. To let everybody get into their seats. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I mean that makes sense, but I was not, I was not prepared for it to be a five-minute piano it's a, thing. This <laughs> is good. You're like it's a, it's just ushering in, telling people to gather and sit the fuck down. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, eleven to eleven o five, and then she stops and she like sets her hands in her lap and she looks expectantly at everybody and they sit down mm-hmm. and then. Don comes up and says hello to everybody. And hello. No, just kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not those words, but he's like, good happy morning. Shabbat. Happy Sunday. Everybody. Happy Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Sunday, everybody. It's wonderful to see you. Our service this week is going to be on X to X. Like, mm-hmm. it's usually like four scriptures. Um, yeah. And he's like, and now we're going to sing a hymn. And it is always, always the most boring shit. Mm-hmm. But then surely like, plays the little intro thing she does like surely really old oh my god she was 86 when okay, I got okay. here we're like you don't know how she's still playing the the piano because then when you see her at the potluck her hands are so riddled with arthritis yeah like how but that's why and then you're like maybe that's why the music's so slow <laughs> yes because she can barely do the thing just a shout uh, out to Shirley may your memory be for a blessing because if you're 86 then I don't know but I don't know if she's still alive because my dad doesn't go to church anymore but Fair. Though I think that that also has something to do with my grandmother when she moved in with my mom to be an absolute fucking nuisance has decided she needs to go to church every week. She wasn't doing it before, yeah, but now no. that she has servants, she's like, yes, well, I got to be at church. I got to go to church and my dad will drop her off and not go in the building. Oh, nice. Well, it's, it's respite. Yeah. Or I mean, and even even if she wasn't who she is, she I feel like being a caregiver, care, giver, a caregiver, right? you need those breaks. And if the, if, if church is that break, it's like, you know, my kids will go to Torah school at some point and I have the choice of go back and teach at Torah school or, or have Sunday that. date mornings with my husband 
for the first time in five fucking years right and like that don't get me wrong we have dates and stuff but like every like every week being able to do that just even if we just piddle around the house and not fucking talk to each other but we're also not being talked to by kids sounds lovely just sit on the couch together silently drinking coffee that's so nice yeah, yeah, I'll have my coffee and he'll have his sixth Red Bull. Not really. My, uh, he doesn't drink that many Red Bulls, but he still Mine does, does but. Like, they're going to die, man. My husband's not in a position to be drinking Red Bulls. No, neither like, is mine. Pristine like, arteries or otherwise. I'm like, like, your dad died of a stroke, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? You should be drinking please, decaf. Please don't, please don't induct your kids into the dead dad club. It's the worst. No, oh no, I told him he can't do that. <laughs> I told no. him he can't die until until he's at least in his 80s because I'm not going another 20 years without him. It's not happening. I mean, I will, of course, but, that, but I said, that's but not an option. I said, it's, that's not your karma. It's not your option. No, we're so. supposed to break generational curses here. Yes, exactly. So, okay. so that's he's trying. Religious, he's trying. That's, that's the religious environment I grew up in. Okay. And within that, there was a lot of like instability and chaos because I really, my parent, my mom's church traumatized me when I was like, 16. I, I must have been younger than that because it was really fucking traumatic. So 15-ish, maybe 15, 16, somewhere in that time frame. I just show up to youth service one one Wednesday night and uh, I'd come directly from school. So I'm like in my ROTC uniform because I was a little rotsy nazi. Uh, <laughs> you were a what? It's called a, We called it derogatorily a rotsy nazi. Oh, got it. Because ROTC, got it. Yeah. And you wear like the full pickle suit uniform and Nice. You march around. It's it's guys. It's a lot. The whole thing is like literally propaganda for joining the military, and it worked for on sure. me. Yeah. But I like show up, and they haven't like talked to our parents or anything. They haven't had us sign waivers or whatever, and they do this entire emotionally charged lecture thing on the Passion of the Christ, and then they show us the torture scene in the Passion of the Christ on the giant twenty foot screen that they normally projected lyrics on mm-hmm. and they made us sit there and watch it and pray through it and thank Jesus for taking on all of this bloodshed and torment for us. That is the most anti-Semitic thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh-huh. And it's not just because Mel Gibson was being tortured on screen. No, but the um, that was such a propaganda piece. Uh-huh. The amount of brutality in that film, I mean, I still, I mean, whether or not it was historically accurate or not, I, I don't know the leading up, to, I mean, I'm like a, a historian of Rome, but I don't know the processes of um, the preamble to crucifixion. So I don't know if beatings like that, but I can't, I don't think that that was the case. I don't think like that was part still, of the sentences was like lashings and things like that. If yeah. you were going to be crucified, you were just going to be crucified. Like, you don't go through the lashing process to kill the motherfucker. You just kill him. I still I still have nightmares about the lashing scene where they lash his back and a piece of his skin rips yeah. off. Yeah. We'll like, I, I still have nightmares. Also, a lot 29. of... 29. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the... And I would have to... We, I mean, I don't. you don't need to rewatch it, apparently. But uh-uh. no. I want to rewatch it because now I want to look at the tools in which they're using in that film because i would postulate that those are not historically accurate because they are more medieval style lashing equipment than they would have been for the romans yeah the romans aren't using i can't imagine the romans 
I mean, sure, they're brutal and shit, but I don't know. I just, I feel like that too. Things to put on my research list. Yes. Um, We're going to have a fact check section like Dax does on his podcast just to talk about all the shit we got wrong. I really wouldn't mind rewatching it as long as it's not on a gigantic screen and I have like fuzzy things to hold on to. And you and I can viciously make fun of it. If I can make fun of it, I can take its power away. Yes. But. And maybe that'll be a nice, maybe we'll, that's maybe it'll be a healing moment. Yeah, I'll be able to make fun of the terrible cinematography as opposed to... Can we, just, can we just pause for a second that they did a really big disservice by getting a wildly attractive Jesus? Yeah. Because Pop I watched this... not great. Yeah, I watched the film when I was 17, <sighs> which means I am in the prime of my moment of being in heat, like a fucking cat, right? And so the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, yeah, beat him. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I should have known not to have coffee in my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, I, I just, I couldn't pay attention because one, they're speaking Aramaic, which to my ear, apparently because I'm a fucking Jew in my soul, was attractive as fuck. So I'm like, I'm sorry. Jesus is speaking this Hebrewy language and he's walking hey. around fucking shirtless, hey. looking all swollen shit. Damn, look at him carrying hey. that cross. We're getting canceled on our first episode because I'm sexualizing Jesus. Whatever. All Christians sexualize women, so fuck off. All uh, Christians sexualize Jesus. This is true. This is true. Like, but, but yeah, I was like, I could not focus. Plus, I was watching it with my mom in her bedroom um, because my stepdad is like so anti-Jesus that he was like, I don't want to watch that shit. I don't want it on my TV. I don't even want it on my TV in the living room. So we had to watch it on the TV in my mom's room because apparently my mom, the TV in my mom's room, even though also my stepdad's TV is not my stepdad's TV. So it's me and my mom and my best friend at the time watching this. My best friend had already seen it. We had not. And the whole time we're watching it, she is sobbing loudly. Just. <laughs> and we're like, what the fuck is happening right now? And the movie's like eight hours long. Religious trauma. That's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So I can't. Like, I can't see like, the it's cover. So sad. She's like, it's just so sad. And I'm like, it's really not that serious. Like these things happen. For like the first year after that night, I could not see the cover of that movie without breaking down. Like I just, I couldn't oh. do it. It was rough. Yeah. Um, that youth pastor actually got let go. Oh, I can't imagine why. Can't, can't figure out why. But that like traumatized me away from my mom's church for a while. And I was like, I just, I can't be there and she's like but pastor tim was let go and i'm like i don't i don't like can i go I to the can't. boring one can i go to the one dad likes they at least don't like attack me shirley's lovely <laughs> shirley is lovely pastor don is boring but he's nice yeah like, it was a whole thing i also had like i know that was before the short hair um but like by the time that i was like regularly attending my dad's church which was boring but at least it wasn't traumatizing yeah i looked really butchy i had yeah. really short hair I was like, you know, thin as a rail. So had none of this going on. And if I didn't wear a skirt, people would mistake me for a boy. Like, yeah, I feel like you had a very, um, in the middle of, and I know I'm, I don't want to use their dead name, but you had a very like, uh, pre Elliot page sort of look to you. Yeah. I was very androgynous. Yeah. I was very androgynous at the time. Cute. But yes, very androgynous. Very baby gay, which is really funny. Mm -hmm. I decided at 17 that I wanted to be a chaplain's assistant in the military because because chaplain's assistants were a combination of weapons specialists and they got to spend time with the chaplain and chaps is like 
either the weirdest motherfucker you've ever met, or he's like an ex-ranger who found God and was like, you know what? I don't want to shoot people anymore. This is I've dropped enough another bodies. connection that we have. This is so funny. Sorry, <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Turns out you need a full driver's license. And I only had my permit at yep. 17 because I just, I couldn't be fucked to get the whole thing. It's not like I was getting a car, you yeah. know? I was like, what's the point of me having my license if I don't have a car? Which was stupid, but I made a lot of stupid choices because I was burnt out. I didn't burnt out gifting yeah. yeah. I didn't want to pay all the money for like the the stuff. And when I was like, I could just wait an extra like at that point it was like I could wait an extra year. I lived in a small town. You can fucking walk everywhere. My people took me wherever I needed to go. I was like, I'll Same. save up for a year, I'll get my license, I'll get a car. And then I don't have to do with like who can be in my car at what hours and who can I yeah. drive and who can't like all that bullshit. Basically the same thing, like literally the same logic process and everything. Yeah. So that didn't pan out. I ended up becoming an intelligence specialist. I worked with signals. So I worked with cell phones and computers and all that shit and radio signals and things, um, which was actually turned out to be a really good thing because it meant that I met some really incredible people from all sorts of walks of life. And with chaplain's assistance, you usually get the people that are one specific type of religion, which is why chaplain assistants don't re-enlist like on the whole. Chaplain's assistants tend to not re-enlist because you are assigned to whatever chaplain is available. You're not assigned to, oh, you get a Pentecostal chaplain and you get a Catholic chaplain and you get the Buddhist guy. It's whichever one is in your area. It's whichever one you have available. So you may have been a chaplain's assistant to a Jewish or Buddhist chaplain. Yeah, I could have been, yeah. Yeah. I could have been with an imam or a rabbi or a priest. Uh, I actually worked alongside. So I did this program called the White Ropes at San Angelo, where I was doing my training, which was basically little mini chaplain's assistants. Yep. It wasn't our job, but it was like our hobby because we had nothing else to do because San Angelo is a teeny tiny Texas town, which means it sprawled out over like 50 miles, but small town vibe. Yeah. Nothing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I actually spent a lot of time with Chaplain Bonsack and Chaplain Pagan, which were, he was non-denominational Christian, Chaplain Bonsack, and then Chaplain Pagan was Catholic, which I thought was fucking hysterical because his last name spelled Pagan. (laughs) It was pronounced Pagan. It was pronounced Pagan and he changed that shit. They changed it. He was also Mexican. Like, Okay, that's amazing. I love it. And I'm not being... Guys, I'm not being disparaging. I mean, he was literally Mexican and got his citizenship through the military. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was assigned to these two primarily. So it was like wildly different, wildly different vibes going on there. And it helped me kind of solidify the fact that I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm all about this Christianity thing, but of course I was 19 stupid and stubborn. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to just like, all right, I'm going to explore like, secular options for belief and stuff like that. I just dug myself in partner. So when I got home from training, because I was National Guard, so I was home most of the time, I sought out, like, I was like, what is the oldest form of Christianity you can still practice? Eastern Orthodox. Yes. And I went to a Russian Orthodox. Yeah. I went to a Russian Orthodox church. I made friends with somebody there who was a really nice person, um, very deeply troubled. But we had, like, what is that thing that they use for the one that's not very good for you? Twin flame? I don't, I don't know these acronym, these things. 
It's oh like a, yeah, yeah yeah okay no I know what you're talking about. It's like a TikTok thing I think yeah, or yeah. Like a spiritual hippie thing but like not very good for each other but very you, you were dark and twisty. That's a Grey's Anatomy reference. That, that's that's yes. our thing. It's like your best friends but like either you connect over your trauma or you feed into each other's trauma. It was definitely more of the second. Yeah. So like feed off was, of and into and dramatic and yes yeah and it wasn't very good for either of us but like I spent almost a year in that church and I actually really enjoyed the church but what pushed me away from it was uh basically told me that I was sinning constantly and disobeying God because I was a woman in the military and I had not gotten married and pushed out babies yet so I was like oh cool I don't feel welcome here so I left yeah and um I really struggled with that a lot. And I was telling my friend Grin, who I met in, uh, I met in AIT and I was like kind of telling him, I'm like, I'm just really burnt out on religion. And I've literally tried everything from like the most modern interpretation to the most ancient interpretations of Christianity. And I don't, I don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the connection with people, but like, I don't, in, I, I don't feel connected to this. And he's like, the name might put you off but I implore you to at least listen to a couple of episodes. And I was like, okay. He's like, there's a podcast called The Scathing Atheist. And I think that you might find some common ground there. That was, God, he gave me that recommendation in 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, so nine years. And I've been an avid listener ever since. And I was like, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. This makes total sense. And like the, the main host noah grew up in like kind of the same sort of wishy-washy christmas easter yeah we're nominally christian sort of thing that i did for like the first most of my life first Mm -hmm. half of my life so i connected on that and then like he would talk to people he did interviews a lot the early days of people that had left like high control faiths things like mormonism and um like pentecostal christians like i grew up with adventists yeah the whole thing and i was like i get it yeah. I get it so much. Like it makes so much sense now. And like that really started me down. And that was the first time I'd ever heard the term secular humanism mm-hmm. was on this podcast. I was like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And then I went to a Joyce Meyer concert concert conference with my mom that mm-hmm. same year uh, because she was like, I didn't tell her I was questioning anything about my faith because it was burned into my brain that if I did that, she would reject me because she almost rejected my dad over this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yay, trauma. trauma. Um, so I... Although I do think it's harder for parents to reject their children. I know it happens, but I think it's harder to reject your children than your husband. Yeah, um, I, was... I would hope so anyways. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm full of shit and just have a rose-colored glasses on those things because I'm not... I hope you're right. I, I don't live in an LGBTQI space where... Um, parental, parental abandonment is, uh, is a real, is a real thing. Higher than average occurrence. So I went to this conference with her because she asked me to go. And that was the second time I'd heard secular humanism. And I'd been meaning to like Google it and figure it out, and, like kind of take a look at everything. But when I heard them talking about it as if it was an end to America and to good Christian values, I knew I had to look it up. So I was like, this feels like the possible worst interpretation and it was this whole like 
propaganda video they did with like soldiers and people praying and yada 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 and they're like with the rise of things like secular humanism and yada yada like it was this whole propaganda piece it was very pro-america propaganda god forbid right literally god forbid that we take a second to say i'm a human you're a human maybe we should just treat each other like humans maybe we should like don't let's not worry about god for a second yeah let's just put that on the on the sideway and be like i see you no because it's gonna destroy the fucking world if we ever do that and we start treating people like people then Then white people people get their rights taken away from them apparently yeah it's a pie and they only get like white people get their privilege taken away from them and that terrifies them that's what it is yes that Um, that they because i'm a non-practicing white person um that they are threatened by the by equality because then that means that they don't have superiority which in a sense does mean that they lose something um but what they lose is something that they didn't deserve in the first place because it's arbitrary we're on video and i just made the fucking duh yeah (laughs) you're right we forget that this is not a, a visual interface yes yeah um so I go home and I start Googling about secular humanism and I'm still in military at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am looking around. I'm trying to figure things out. There are humanist chaplains. There are humanist chaplains. Yeah. And my friend Grin is one of the reasons that we have them because hmm. he worked with a group called the Military Association of Atheists and Freethinkers, which I was also a part of while I was in the military. Yeah. Um, he also works with the FFRF big shout out to those guys they're the um freedom from religion foundation that's amazing mikey weinstein is fucking amazing he's the i can't remember if he's like a jewish name for freedom of religion i mean it's not it's a jewish name and they are also freedom of religion we're all about it so and he's probably a secular jew yeah i don't know yeah or german Um, weinstein could be either yeah because it's either weinstein or weinstein (laughs) he says it's weinstein unfortunately based on the the harvey of that particular yeah. name that there are you know, still some fucked up jews oh well, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i really i found them and i like connected really hard with this particular i don't need god to flourish in the military mm-hmm. mind you there were there was backlash there always is but i think that a lot of that had to do with you know i was a woman i was i had gone through a sexual assault and that like permanently tarnished my reputation which <sighs> i ended up not re-enlisting even yeah. though i wanted to um mm-hmm. i started out wanting to do like a full 20 in the guard and i didn't because i it followed me from every place that i'd been somebody brought up the fact that i had on my record that i would reported a sexual assault it was a restricted report but they yeah. can still put a note in your file they uh they reported something through sharp and even without any of the details i was a pariah it's not supposed to be that way you're not supposed to deal with that yeah but the national guard is a good old boys club yeah especially in the south like sorry guys if you're a national guard listener but i mean the you should be aware of this the military is a good old boys club yes it just gets worse it just gets worse when you're in a so i was in the military intelligence field which is already tiny and incestuous Mm mm-hmm and I was in the National Guard in an intelligence field. So everybody knows everybody. Yeah. 
so that was just, it was just kind of a constant thing. It's like one person has to say, oh yeah, she went to shark once. And then it's like, you're forever treated like you are no longer credible mm-hmm. or worthy of. But you're a threat. Yes. They're no you're, longer worthy of respect. Yeah. Because, because you may bring an accusation. Yes. Um, as opposed to what the real problem is, <laughs> which is sexual and- violence in the military. Which is fucked up because I reported it so that I could have medical assistance and therapy for an assault that happened not in the military. My attacker was not in the military. Yeah. He was a civilian. And I literally only reported it because I was like, I need to talk to someone or I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. And like, sorry to, sorry to get like really just bald faced with you guys, but I literally went to my commander and I was like, I need a sharp person today. It's not anybody here. It's nothing about the military besides the fact that I'm in it. But if I don't talk to somebody, I'm going to go home and I'm going to take a handful of pills. You're like, this is where my medical insurance, my medical coverage comes from you. I need medical attention. Why does this now have to be a tarnish on, on my reputation on my reputation because of something that happened that really doesn't have anything to do with the military except for the fact that you give me my medical care pretty much and um, even and- here's the thing even if it had it's still abhorrent that that's yeah. the way in which women are treated in our military yes yeah um so that was this like is, and- this 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 is making so much more sense though why like it's so frustrating to hear People complain about, and don't get me wrong, I know that men have societal issues. I I absolutely believe that the, like, indoctrination into toxic masculinity is a fucking problem and fundamentally fucks up our boys. And their liberation is absolutely tied to our liberation. I believe all these things. But I also get really frustrated when I hear men complain about things that are that the the stakes of what they're facing is that they don't get a second date where when the stakes of what we face is sexual assault or murder yeah or like, or prolonged abuse like there are people who who literally will house arrest their wives for years so kidnap them essentially and hold them on house arrest cuz they can't do anything and they're assaulting them in all sorts of ways, emotionally, sexually, physically. Then they have children with them and that cycle continues. And you're worried that a woman doesn't want you to buy you a fuck, like doesn't want you to buy her a fucking drink. The scales are different. What is what is that phrase? Um, men's greatest fear is that women will laugh at them. Women's greatest fear is that men will kill them. Yeah, that's a real thing. Yes. But yeah, that was. Um, I'm sorry that to happened get- to you, love. I don't want to say I'm totally over it because I still have my moments where it's like, it fucks with me a little bit, but I'm in a much better position now than I was then. You're sharing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you have shame attached to it. If in fact you put the shame where it needs to be. Yeah. But anger is a healthy emotion. Yeah. Anger, Anger is a healing emotion. I can find forgiveness for those people when I'm dead. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well um, whatever our god is all good right you can forget i'm just kidding i mean 
that's not on me i'm human god can forgive you go fuck yourself <laughs> yeah that's kind of where i'm at i'm like these people have to live with being themselves yeah for like the yeah. rest of their lives yeah just like it, i have to live with being myself for the rest of my yeah. life it's just it's just scary because we're progenitors of a new generation um yes. and we know yes. that those fucked up people who fucked us over are also having children that will go to school with our kids yeah. thankfully <laughs> that's 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 scary but maybe not yours because we're all and not mine because we're, we're not in the south anymore but you were not in the south i was never never in the south yeah. um thankfully one thing that uh mr birdie and i agree on is that our kid is not enlisting and yeah. i think things are wildly different at the officer level than they are mm. at the enlisted level just from just from observation from being enlisted and then married to an officer i'm like oh things are way different here it seems like the culture is slightly different or more vastly different. There's a lot less fuckboy energy. It seems like at the um, you at have the, to be so careful at the officer level. You have to be. Well, and the and officer level thing. typically, right? To go in as an officer, you have to have a four year degree. Yes, mm-hmm. you have to have a four year degree. You have to have gone through uh, some version of OCS, which is Officer Candidacy School. Yes. Um, so I feel like you have time to mature. You have time yeah. to kind of get that out of your system in a college setting, which is also not necessarily a safe setting, but it's a lot better than unleashing fucking 19 year old jizz filled <laughs> toxic men into fucking foreign countries. So at least and giving not, them guns and giving right, them guns. right, right. Like at least with college, we're not giving them guns. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's, a ton of problems with with college violence but we're not saying yeehaw motherfucker go have fun yeah i, I feel like it, it just takes a second i'm also a progenitor like I, i'm an advocate for and this is gonna get me fucking hate mail i'm sure um i think that our police officers should have a four-year degree if I your agree. job is criminal justice if your job is law enforcement you should know the laws in which you're enforcing my like a lot my- my training for my training for my job in the army was so it was like seven months long. Mm-hmm. The average police officer training in this country is twelve weeks. There are like I think there's one maybe two states that require a bachelor's degree. Yeah, mm-hmm. work at any level of law enforcement, and I'm just like, <sighs> it's scary. It's scary. And, it is. And scary. I feel like a lot of the people who join the police force straight out of high school are people who should not be carrying guns. Correct. Because I think a big pull for that youth, right? Because 19 is youth, is hell yeah, I get a gun. And that is not the perspective that should be protecting and serving, which by the way, apparently protect is um, optional. It's really just serving. It's not even serving. It's It's serving what? Uh, Uh, Well, the white supremacist overlords. Well, yeah, because they came from slave patrols. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun fact, podcast listener, the police have absolutely no obligation to protect you. Mm-mm. This has been decided at the Supreme Court. Yeah. They have absolutely zero obligation to protect you in any situation. That's why there's uh, no repercussions to the police officers who didn't go into the school shooting. When yeah. elementary students were being shot, they were like, what's well, not our job? It's above our pay grade. We'll wait till he comes out. Which is unacceptable behavior but your teachers your teachers should have fucking guns because they have an obligation to protect you that's hired the police parent 
oh we're getting canceled on episode no we're not we're actually we're just going to have a very um different audience history between bites at gmail.com come for me bro yeah it's cool it's whatevs um can we pause because i've had a whole cup of coffee so i need to go that way and then i need to refill so and then we can switch gears absolutely my my fucking shit show of a story yes we will switch to sam after the break cool welcome back yeah you as well thank you for sharing your story by the way of course that's what this is about right yeah you can have a um adhd reflective panic attack later and then tell me what you want me to cut (laughs) i think really just like my my mom's church name mostly because they're litigious (laughs) and and they still exist and ambiguity like uh, anonymity and things like that yeah and i'm sure that their name isn't unique but with the combination of where I used to live and yeah. with their name, it would just be too easy to find them. Well, it's too easy to for them to reach out to your mom or yeah. protect your mom. Um, yeah. So my, my crazy, crazy story um, has a lot of overlaps with yours, actually. So uh, not in the beginning. My parents' religious upbringing is interesting. So my dad is Mormon, was Mormon. Um, I was about to say, your dad's the worst Mormon I've ever met. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, most of my Mormon family is the worst Mormons that you've met, including the the first one of my Mormon family, which was Brigham. I'm I'm that. Oh, Mormon. you're like a you're a direct descendant from uh, from his older brother James. Well, so their dad, right? So Brigham Young's dad's name was James, and he mm-hmm. had two boys. He had James and Brigham. And my line comes from the the James side. So my dad is like, um, I don't know, this ninth generation of James Youngs. Um, one, and then he, one of them was the clear favorite. Yes, um, it wasn't the one that went on to have a bunch of different wives and like. No, 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 no. He was Mormon though, because um, you know that's what that's what we did. It's a but family affair. <laughs> this is this is at least what I like colloquially know from my grandfather who was also a little bit full of shit. So anyways, there's been a lot of James Youngs. My dad's like the fucking sixth, ninth generation, something ridiculous. Um and then he had me. And I can't be a James I mean I can it'd be weird. We've talked about females named James. Um but not only am I not a James Young and I'm ending that cycle of abuse, but I converted out of Mormonism. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't raised Mormon. So my parents divorced when I was three. Which is already a big no-no. Yeah. And dad, like peace out girl scout on the whole dad thing for a while. So I was raised predominantly by my mother who grew up Pentecostal. So I had been blessed or sealed to my dad when I was born we had a sealing ceremony or blessing ceremony I'm not really sure which one your parents weren't like your mom isn't Mormon so you they weren't sealed in a temple or they were they were not married in a temple they were married in a church but it was I will also edit this out but they were married at here in San Diego we can actually drive by it it's actually in between our houses I'll show it to you yeah and it I don't know if it was I'm assuming it's Pentecostal they have now have like a um mega church campus and don't use that church anymore that church is some like that building is non-denominational I'm sure they call themselves non-denominational yeah but yeah so that's they they were married um here right in San Diego and 
in a religious ceremony, but not a Mormon ceremony. So they never did the temple thing. She didn't convert. She wasn't sealed to him. So she's like, fucked on getting into uh, Mormon heaven. Mormon heaven. Apparently, I still have a ticket to Mormon heaven because I was sealed to my dad who was sealed to his dad and he has sealed, sealed, sealed all back. So like I have that like Mormon ticket so I can keep it in my back pocket. But if I use it, I'll probably be set down to a lower rank of Mormon. Uh, alien You'll get planets. one of the shitty planets. You'll, You'll get, get one of a the shitty, shitty planet. Planets. And but then I can work my way. So I have to proselytize on a shitty planet. Right. So I have to be an elder go on missions, probably knock out like a dozen and a half spirit babies. And then I can go to another better planet, do that there. And then finally get up to the celestial kingdom at some point. Once I get rid of my dirty, dirty, heretic ways. So you mean stop being a Jew? Yeah, I'll just go to hell. It's fine. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing. If everybody who does not believe in Jesus is going to hell, then I will at least one, it's gonna be a lot of fucking people Two, I will at least be in good fucking company. And three, there will be beautiful synagogues there. And there will be so many fucking arguments. Like, and there will be free health care and there'll be abortion rights and there'll, there'll be, be no fucking Christians. Do you know what the do you know what heaven looks like to a Jew? No Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, that's what heaven looks like to an atheist, too. Yeah. And you know what? I I I I'll fuck with, with Muslims all day long. We can hang. We're much more related than christianity and all of us so send us all to the same place we'll all drink hot cocoa in the desert it's totes fine there will be air conditioning because i don't know if you've met an engineer but uh they're not yeah. really the jesusy type no they're not no they're not we'll figure out how to get an air conditioner in hell it'll be fine or we'll have really warm clothes because apparently the inner layer of hell is ice so we'll be fine we're fine. We can survive Russian winters. We'll be able to survive hell if it's cold. Anywho, tangents. So, um, so yeah. So, I was blessed and sealed into the Mormon Church, and then that didn't really last. His dad dipped for a little while, and then I was raised because your dad mom. fucked off in the most unMormon way possible. Yes, one hundred percent unMormon way possible. And then my mom. Pentecostal but she went to a lot of different like she did the hodgepodge church thing just to kind of like figure out what worked what didn't work whatever she bounced around like my mom did yes when my sister was born so she's four years younger than I am we were blessed into the Baptist church um, because she wanted to have like a blessing ceremony for my sister and that was the one that was all kosher with her being single mom with kids and having your kids blessed and it wasn't well I don't know whatever I have a picture of that day. I feel. You. Oh, yes. But um, I feel like it's kind of really fucked up that it's like you're a single mom that's seeking religion and you have children that you want to be raised better than you. But we're not going to do that for you because you're a single mom. It's like, yeah. I feel like that's against your own fucking teachings. Yeah. So I was, but, I think, I think the phrase that she uses, I was dedicated into the Mormon church, but blessed into the Baptist church. So I don't know. I got some full coverage there. My sister was blessed on that same day. We both got yellow roses. Apparently is the thing. Um, no guys, I, I fully maxed out Dex and charisma. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a fucking wizard that can actually dodge. That's yeah. how all of this religion stuff sounds to me. To I honest. know. I know. I know. And so we lived here in San Diego till I was six. So for another two years ish, we lived here and then we moved to the small town that I grew up in. I think I've mentioned it, but whatever. We moved to Needles. And there we also did a little bit of a bouncing around in a small town there's actually quite a lot of churches to church to choose from <gasps> i know yeah. right uh, um so we spent some time at we tried the baptist church i don't know why but my mom I, we didn't really like it i don't know it felt the sunday school felt very middle schooly like like you had different like time periods with different teachers and the campus was kind of big for a small town I don't know it just it it wasn't the right fit they also made me read out loud when I was like nine and I was like not here because they had us read out loud the King James fucking Bible when I was nine I don't like reading out loud now I certainly didn't want to read the these the thousandth shouts and shouts and all the bullshit and it's Um, King James so you know yeah I just I felt stupid and I didn't like it um, and I think I probably told my mom I didn't like Sunday school. So then we tried a different church. Um, I mean, Baptists are bug nuts anyways. Like <laughs> We went to a Methodist church for a while. And the pastor there was fine. And I don't know if we went to the, I don't know if we went to the quote Christian church before or after the Methodist church. But anyways, we spent some time in a Methodist church. I did not, I did maybe an occasional Sunday school there, but really it was there for service. I remember sleeping on the hymn books is really what we did. So my mom was like, you can't sleep on my lap, but if you put your head on a hymn book, I don't give a shit, just stay quiet. So I would sleep in the pew with my head on a hymn book and my sister would sleep under the pew on the floor with her head on a hymn book. And that's just, we were good to go. So until they started singing our God is an awesome God, it was the only song that had any sort of up-tempo. That was my jam because that was the only one that seemed relatively fun to sing. And then I was baptized into the more through the Methodist church. I was nine. He was not a big fan of baptizing me because he said that I wasn't old enough to like know what I was agreeing to, but we did it anyways. I was baptized in the river, the Colorado river. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's very funny. Out of it without a third eye or anything. But I mean, we used to swim in it all the time, but it's also interesting that like both my baptism and mikvah was in natural occurring water. Well, yeah, it's because baptism is pulled from Well, yes, but a lot of baptisms are done in the church now. And it's just like a little weird pool at the top. Have you seen those? They're yes. like up in the balcony and they open it up and all of a sudden people are dunking. And it's very strange to me. But anyways, it's very weird. So I was baptized. And then apparently there was a religious service. It was a funeral that the Methodist pastor was ordaining. And this is all small town gossip and my mother was not there. So I do not know, but apparently he told the loved ones of the person who died that the reason why their loved one died was because they didn't believe in God at this man's funeral. And my mom was like, that's incredibly disrespectful. We will never go back. And we didn't, we just, we didn't go back. Um, He also did this listeners you can't see I'm like banging my head around he did this when he would pray over you so he would kneel down on the ground because I was little I guess but he also had everybody kneel so he would kneel down on the ground but like like in a one leg up like you could sit on his knee kind of a way Um, and then he would have you stand very close to him and like the grown women would basically be hugging him and so like 
you know, with kids, you were like basically being hugged by this guy. And then he would like, literally, I'm going to do it with my ring. He would like on the top of your head, like he had Parkinson's as he prayed over you. And I was like, what are you doing? My dude, it was very strange and sorry to vilify Parkinsonism, but Parkinson's disease, but that's what it was like. It was like, he had just Tourette's in his praying hand. Uh, um, and it was very strange. And every time it was just like, who wants to come up for it to be prayed over? And I was like, please, God, don't make me do that nonsense. No, um, no, and no, and you. then we went to the quote Christian church, which was just a non-denominational church. That was nicer. I can't remember the pastor's name, but he seemed fine. They did the the music, the singing, the stuff. It was a piano, not an organ. There was a lady who went there. Her name, her name was Mrs. Lyons. I don't know what her first name is. She was very very old woman she's uh since passed and she was very short and she had the like rounded hunched over back yeah um and but my great grandmother looked just like that in her old age and so she reminded my mom of her grandma basically and she was very kind to us and there would be like every like i don't know like once a month or so every so often she would take us to McDonald's and get us Happy Meals, us girls. Um, and for me, I was just like, oh, like Mrs. Lyons likes to hang out with us. And she's sweet. And she's like a little honorary grandma. We just call her Grandma Lyons. Um, in reality, she probably knew that we were wildly poor and she wasn't. So she would treat us to McDonald's. We're not wildly poor, but definitely not in a position to be buying McDonald's every Sunday. I mean, you were um, just looking at housing at the time, weren't you? Yes. Yes. So yes. Same. I'm yeah. sorry to tell you, but wildly, wildly poor. poor. Yeah, wildly yeah. poor. And then, but even we weren't sort we weren't regular goers. Like there would be sort of uh, months at a time where we would go regularly, and then months at a time where we wouldn't go at all. I wouldn't go so far as to say that we were exactly Christian Easter. Easter uh, Christmas sorry, Christians. Christ, East, yeah, we weren't quite Eastern Easter and Christmas Christians. But we were like, I don't know, we have like a quota to meet every year. And once the quota is met, we're kind of good. Um, it sort of felt like whenever mom sort of felt bad about something or, you know, had a had that sort of that draw. Right. She always talked about feeling the Holy Spirit in church. And I didn't really know what that meant. But when she wanted to go feel that, then we we went. Your mom is a, a I'm not going to blast her on air. I'm sorry, but like I'm not trying to blast her on air. Your mom is a former addict, doesn't she? Yes. She, I don't know if that is her, I don't think that was her pull to Christianity though. I think that that comes from long before, like her parents. I, I mean, think, the reason, the reason I ask is because that whole like feeling the Holy Spirit endorphin rush thing uh, triggers the same brain chemical cascade that like getting high does. Oh, fun. Well, then that so sense, like, yeah. yeah, that's, that's why churches, especially nowadays, why they try to push that feeling. Got is it. because it literally like it it's brings euphoric. you happy brain chemicals and like yeah. and that's also why you get people that like uncontrollably weep in yeah. churches mm-hmm. um is because you'll have that that it's a dopamine that, the serotonin dopamine high yes and it's mm-hmm. uh it's rough it's yeah. rough that's also why also fun fact that same chemical cascade is the reason why breakups suck is because you can literally become addicted to your partner. Yes. Zero yes. out of 10. Don't recommend yeah, that. Yeah, you way. can you can become addicted to anything that 
is fun and makes you feel good. It doesn't have to be chemical inducing. You can become addicted to your own chemical processes. Yeah. Um, which and is burn so out fun. your own dopamine receptors with it. So see, they're the fun. Anyways. Man. Um, but yeah, so, so that was kind of that once we, once I got into high school, I don't, I don't think I ever fucking went to church. My mom got remarried in 2003 and my stepdad is very, very anti-religion. He's at least anti-Christianity. I don't know about the rest of religion. I don't, I don't know if he has a, enough of a base knowledge of other traditions to be anti that, but he is anti-Christianity. And I think one of the things that stuck with me that he has said and it's the thing that he's kind of always said and repetitive is that when we talk about the story of jesus he's like it is exactly what everyone says it is and people take it too seriously and i was like what are you talking about and he was like it's the greatest story ever told and i'm like yes and then like my historian side of me is being like all all like just because it's a story doesn't mean it's a fable like you know what I mean like and not trying to like I was like I got into the semantics over the term story and not about Christianity but um yeah like he didn't want Christian stuff in the house like he's fine with like um iconography I guess like my mom has a crucifix thing and she has you know um angel shit in her house and but he always makes a big hubbub when she watches like televised services on Sunday he like walks in, he's like, Ugh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> She's like, okay, drama. Uh, <laughs> but he celebrates Christmas, but in a secular, you know, it's all Santa and grandkids and presents. There's, and a, shit. there's a fascinating, so I've seen this a lot on Jewish Tumblr. There's this fascinating analysis of atheists that came from culturally Christian areas mm-hmm. and that we're still culturally Christian. Yes. Because you might have kicked all the God out of your building, but you're still firmly sitting in the building and sitting in judgment of other people. Well, and on Jewish Tumblr, that makes sense to us. You're like, you're a secular Christian. Yeah. But you're secular Jews. It's not a big deal. But if you yeah. say secular Christian to somebody, you're like, you can't be that. And you're like, really? Are you secular? Do you do you celebrate Christmas? Do you go and do the Easter egg hunt? Do you like, like there's all these things that are ingrained from the culture that they still practice, that we what still practice I- really even... Yeah. I mean, we did a, we did a Christmas and Hanukkah blended celebration last year. Yeah. Like, we called it Christmaka. My kids celebrate like, Christmas. It's weird my, and, and non-secular, but we do it. Not in my house. My, but. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things about being an atheist is that I can celebrate whatever the fuck I want when I want to. Yeah. So like I There's can no get stakes. my tattoos. I can, mm-hmm. I can celebrate holy if I want to. The, the festival of colors and lights and shit. I can do Diwali. Well, I, I want to celebrate do... that. What tradition is that from? The festival of lights and color? Uh, Hindu. They're two different festivals. So there's the festival oh. of lights, which I think is Diwali. And then Holi is the festival of colors. Got it. And whatever's the get... festival of rainbows other than gay pride. I mean, I want to <laughs> celebrate that too, but like would be all bored on it. So like if she ends up converting to an Eastern tradition so that she can have a festival of fucking rainbows, I would not be surprised. Or just ending up like a an atheist like her, Miss Birdie. I'm okay with that. She can be an atheist Jew all day long. It's a thing. Not a problem. The next celebration of Holy is March 25th. Monday, March No, we're going to be in LA. We're going to be in LA. We're not doing it. it we're we're going to be in LA. We can absolutely <laughs> fucking do it. Oh, that's right. There will be. <laughs> I keep forgetting that LA is a fucking cultural hub because I'm from San Diego and I'm a snob and I'm like, ugh, LA. <laughs> yeah, it's. 
it's literally so have you ever seen like the color run yes. things where people wear like white shirts and they have so mm-hmm. that's like a secular version of this and also there's running involved which Ew. whatever yeah that sounds but, amazing yeah. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to be there. Can we consider it a cultural experience as as opposed to cultural appropriation? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're not going to be going there and going, this is our version of holy and we're going to white no. people up here. No, I just so want we're to see people throw a bunch of shit and I want we're to gonna, get covered in colored chalk. We're going to go get covered in like pigments and engage with the culture where the culture is at. That's amazing. So but that's <laughs> like we were talking about Noah, I, I keep referencing Noah. Noah did a diatribe on like getting to celebrate all the different holidays mm-hmm. as a like as an atheist, and he mentioned Purim specifically. He's like, "There's a, an entire Jewish holiday that is eating vagina-shaped cookies and <laughs> shaking things, <laughs> shaking noisemakers, and getting drunk." And we can they're do not, that. They're not vagina-shaped. Co- I mean, they. Now that you have me think about it, they're 100% vagina-shaped cookies, and I'm never going to look at a hamantashen ever again, but they're supposed to be the a hat. hat or an ear. They don't look like either of those. They kind of look like a tricorn hat, but they more of look like a vagina. I'm sorry, especially with the I red it. filling. I love it. You know what? Fine. I, I think that it is absolutely indicative of Heyman's vagina. <laughs> I love it. The, the vagina Not because I think down. that... I don't think that calling a like calling someone a woman is an insult, but I promised you that if I had a time machine and I went back and found the historical Haman and said, "Hey, at some point, me and my people are going to eat cookies that look like twats in your honor," he would be so mad. He would be so mad. He might actually make friends with Mordechai just because he hates me as a Jew more. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. He'd be like a, him and Mordechai. I would be drinking because that's that's Always. it. They'd be drinking, and he would go listen. He'd be like, "Listen, I don't like Jews," and Mordecai would be like, "Go on, right? <laughs> I don't like Jews, uh, but I don't like her specifically." Yeah, that and Mordecai would be like, "Great, so how about we make an enemy of my enemy, and you don't kill all of us because you know there's not going to work anyways because she's still here from the future." Yeah, can we just not do that? That'd be great, and then I could don't have to pimp out my 14 year old niece to the king. I mean, yeah, but like that would be a, that'd be a, <laughs> and I guess I can marry her off to somebody else. Yeah. I can pimp her out to somebody else. Oh my goodness. Uh, I love that I'm bashing on my own traditions. I love it so much. But yeah, so I stopped going to church kind of all together in high school. Just didn't make sense. My stepdad was in the picture. He didn't like church. My parents had been back together for a while. So my dad moved back in with us when I was 11 and they were together until I was 14 And not only did that, I mean, that coincided with middle school for me. Mm -hmm. Middle school is already the worst time in someone's life. And then you're Uh, adding in like absent dad, no longer absent. Yeah. And uh, addiction and domestic verbal violence and some just, just a fucking shit show. You could not pay me to relive even one day of that time period of my life and so church wasn't really happening then unless mom needed to have respite from dad on Sundays with his drinking and then once dad wasn't in the house like we just stopped going I remember being young though and asking questions and being faced with answers that I found to be really unsatisfying so I remember 
general questions is asking, and I'm sure they were relatively simple because I was a child, but I just remember every time I inquired of something or even when I wasn't inquiring, but they were giving explanations, the explanation was always because the Bible says so, or because God said so. Which isn't an explanation. It's not an explanation. And it didn't work for my mom when she said, because I said so, and it wasn't going to fucking work for God for me. Like, just sorry. Like, if I don't let my mom get away with that shit, I'm not letting you get away with that shit. Like, I have a much closer relationship with that broad. She actually feeds me. You don't. I'm going to need an answer. And uh, um, so, and it just, I like, I don't know. We were learning passages kind of out of order and for no seemingly good reason. I was like, why do I need to know John 3.16? I got it. Like, I've seen, I've see, I see him on the cross. Like, why do I need to know the passage? And then other passages just didn't make any sense because you're doing it out of context. So it was just like, re- like memorize these five passages. I'm like, but what do they mean? And he was like, it's the word of God. And I'm like, I get not an that, answer. But why do I give two shits about what Corinthians has to say about anything? If you're not telling me what this, what it, where is it at? I also found church services to be a little confusing because there would be like a theme of the week or whatever, but then you're bouncing around. It was like, you know, what does Jesus say about forgiveness in Mark, but then also in Matthew and like, but not the whole thing, just these little places. And then they would jump over to, you know, and then second Isaiah, which by the way, is not in the old, the new Testament, that's old Testament stuff. So like, it just felt hodgepodgey. It felt like a stretch. It felt like really bad fucking research. (laughs) apparently and surprise i went on to be a historian who it needs you to cite your fucking sources and tell me the context of those sources like give me the bias <laughs> so i it just i didn't get you know my mom was always talking about the feeling of the holy spirit i didn't get that i didn't know what the fuck that meant i thought that i was incapable of those like i was like maybe i just don't have the capacity for faith maybe it's something that people are born with and some people aren't and that's just not something that i'm born with Uh, So I just kind of gave up on it. I was like, it's like, whatever, like, I'm going to go and find my own sort of things. And education school was always my safe haven, mostly because of those middle school years when home life sucked. Um, But even after and then, yeah, just like the, the world of academia became my institution of, of wisdom. And it, oddly enough, it was at that institution that I finally came to a religious organization. So I... (laughs) I studied and I studied religious studies in my undergrad because apparently even though I was not interested, I was still very interested. Um, I felt like I was searching still a little bit. Like, I don't think I had like the God shaped hole, at least maybe a a small one. I didn't have one that I need to fill with like meth. Um, But I went to a couple of churches. I went to a big church here with friends of the family and it was fine, but it's impersonal mega churchy lots of music very little sermon um like it just didn't feel connected you Um, need a proper drush that's what you need yeah I was like I need you to like give me stuff that I can be like fuck yes yeah like pounding on my chest right now um I didn't get any of that and then I tried a you a unitarian humanist unitarian church universalist unitarians yes the, yes that's the weird the weird humanism cult yeah yes okay cool so i tried that and the most interesting thing about that was that they did a retreat at um it's like deer park ranch or some shit in northern mm-hmm. california where um Thich Nhat was the he's the founder of this place and once a year they do their retreat while he's there 
So I was much more interested in the fact that I would be able to see this like Hindu booty yogi god like person and get insight from that tradition than anything that the fucking Unitarian humanist universalist whatever the fuck it was were doing. It you know also- they do they do have the name it's the style ceremony when kids turn thirteen. They have like a research project that they're supposed to present in front of the congregation. Mm-hmm. And it's like their first formalized argument. And it they become they become like voting members of their That's congregation. Cool. I'm I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to it, but I also think it's interesting. But I think that that's part of it is that like because they're universal Unitarians, the idea is that they pull from the traditions all the, of all the, the traditions. universe, right? Yeah. Um, and are sort of a hodgepodge, which one was attractive to me. I was like, I'm a religious studies major and there's things that are attractive about different things. But again, going there, I just felt like, I don't know, the things that were exciting was being able to go to retreats. I wanted to meet more people and it wasn't, I, I don't know. And they had a lot of... um like social um outreach and i was really excited about that like on thanksgiving and on christmas day they uh they hand out food to um victims of hiv right like community like homeless hiv communities so Mm -hmm. it was like the funny thing about it is like the things that i found more found most attractive about this group were the things that are like jewish tenants right weird yeah weird so i was in a class it was um intro to judaism my most of my religious studies courses were in um like fem like female oriented i did goddess studies i did some eastern tradition stuff um and christian studies right so i did intro to the new testament uh i did you know whatever and so this one was actually sorry it was not intro to judaism it's intro to the hebrew bible and i was i know but i was fascinated with the professor he was lovely um he was outstanding if you will that was his catchphrase every time you said something in class you would say outstanding um he knows who he is anyways and yeah he's my rabbi now and so I was just like kind of engaged in a way in this class that I hadn't been and he would do this thing in class that I found so enlightening so he would the first day of class, he told us, like, I'm a professor here, but I'm also a rabbi. Like, just know this thing on my head is a real thing. And it's not just a Jew thing. It's a rabbi thing. Like, it, you know, know. So that he just wears a keyboard all the time. time 24-7. And he's like, so, so know that this is who's teaching you. That is a thing. And then we, when we would ask questions, he would go, I have to give you a rabbinic answer for this because I don't know how to give you like an academic one specifically because it overlaps. So he would literally step out of the middle of the room space and go stand over like in the corner by the trash can and be like, okay, so I'm in my rabbi space now. I'm going to give you the rabbi answer. And he would give us that answer. And he goes, okay, now I'm stepping out of that space. And he'd come back to the middle of the room. And he goes, and this is how we kind of discuss that in terms of academia. And the fact that he was able to do this, I was like, and not feel like he was being challenged, not feel like he was being a fucking sinner or like any of these things. I was like, this is a, like, what the fuck is this skill? It's his, crazy. His ego was completely like separate from. Yeah. He was just like, hold on. Like, here's what like religiously how we would answer. This is a different institution, but you kind of need a little, like a little bit of this context for me to answer this question. It was fascinating. And then. Part of that class was to go to a Jewish service. So, you know, um, he caught me. Um, So to go to a religious service. So I went to a service at his 
place at his his place at his synagogue and i think that they were i don't know they were doing something and he basically gave the same kind of like his drosh was kind of what he had done in class with us like there were very much overlaps and i was just like i'm sorry like you're talking about this in terms of who wrote the bible of the historical context right he like was up there talking about something he's like you know this is in the time of king josiah and so like it was written and it was done and i'm like wait you're saying that this isn't just the word of fucking god like and so that space of being able to sort of address one's own religion within the fallacy of humanity and history was so liberating for me and then he had invited us to a family sukkot um the whole class not just me right so we went to a family sukkot barbecue thing which was like fucking sukkot is one of the greatest it's like the thanksgiving for jews uh of jewish holidays so you know we're eating in sukkahs his kids were very little babies oh my god they're all graduated off to college or whatever but they're very little babies they're making sukkahs out of like graham crackers and chocolate and candy and shit um and it was just like being in this space i was like this is what a potluck should have felt like like sukkot starts tomorrow yeah yeah we need to get your sukkah up. I know, like like today. But I was just like, this is what, like, it felt like every member of this congregation felt like family, right? In a way yeah. that I didn't grow up with that kind of community. Like, my parents fucking hated each other. So that was not a thing. So when I was so you found, there. You found order inside of the chaos. Yes. And then the next semester or whatever, next year, I took his class. I took a different class from him. I took intro to Judaism and that year you took the Miller class (laughs) I did uh I did um at some point the that Thanksgiving overlapped with Hanukkah that year was very very early Hanukkah very early and so early yeah so over Thanksgiving break he was like if you want to come to my home and have Hanukkah dinner with my family to see what Hanukkah is and eat all the things. So he invited, I was obnoxious. This is such a funny story. I showed up 30 minutes before any other student. I was in full church outfit, like dress, very nice. I, like Sunday best was on. And then I stayed like 30 minutes late. This motherfucker showed up late to his own invite. He was like, sorry guys, I had to pick up a kid from from the piano and I did not That's know the when... most Jewish thing I've ever I was like I didn't know what Jewish standard time was let alone rabbi standard time so I was just in his house with two of his kids and his wife and his mother and the only student we're just chit-chatting and I'm just like I'm his student he said to come over can I help what is Hanukkah all day which is so funny because like I love like Jen is basically my like surrogate Jewish mother now um that's his wife but, but yeah, so I was just, I was drawn to the community. I was drawn to the traditions, the dinner, his kids, he has four kids and each one of them like said a different blessing and Aww. they were lighting the candles and they had, they have themed nights of Hanukkah. So instead of just getting like any gift every night, they have a theme. So like they have a book night, they have a toy night, they have, you know, a clothing night, they have, you know, a food night, whatever it is. So like, that's the theme of the gift. And his oldest daughter, who is now, I think, a junior in college, (laughs) um, she was telling us that she was telling me all the steps, all all the different nights. She goes, and one night we don't get gifts. And the rabbi was like, you know, why don't why don't we get gifts on one of the nights? And she goes, because we did She goes, because we donate our gift to family in need. 
So one of the nights they just don't pass out gifts because they used that money that they would have gotten the kids on their gifts to for a family in need. And I was like, what is this fucking wholesomeness that has not like there was no talk of God. There was it was just we like we like this because these are our people. This is our tradition. Like, you know, Baruch Hatar or not, I guess that was God. But like he's telling us about the food and like all the things. And I was just like, it's God, but it's also a cultural connection. Like it it was I. And I, I can't the prayers I, a little bit. Nah, I have yeah. no interest. <laughs> well, in and God. Like, I don't know what it was, but I feel like it engaged my soul in a way that I was like, I have to be like, I, one, I was jealous. I was like, I wish I had been born into this tradition. Like I wish I had been born into a family that these were the values, that this was the things that we did because there's so, there's so many fucking Jewish holidays that I was like, there's so many traditions in meaningful ways that have answers that you can ask questions to that have the full story that kids can be involved in as well as parents. Like it's not fucking bullshit. Except and, for shake this lemon and palm frond for God. Like that one doesn't make that, any sense to me. It it does not, but I guess it makes up for the fact that we get to whip each other with green onions on Pesach. It's a Sephardi, I heard that one before. It's a Sephardi tradition. So you take the green onion and before you eat it, you go around and you whip each other with it. And it's supposed to remind us of the lashings that we got as slaves. But we let the kids do it because they think it's the funnest fucking thing in the world that they get to beat the shit out of their parents. <laughs> I can't say they're wrong. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of my college, my undergraduate career, it was the last, I was taking this class. It was my last semester. I was going to graduate after this. And so I went to his office hours and I was like, I have a very, it's like, I have a question for you. And he's like, mm, Okay. And I'm pretty sure he already knew me as it like the the mild class hole because I had all the answers and I was bright and shiny and wanted to know all the things. But I told him, I said, can people convert to Judaism? And he was like, of course they can. He's like, why, why wouldn't they be able to? And I said, well, be, because professor, um, Judaism is an ethnicity and I can't convert to African-American. So I thought I was also barred from the Jew thing. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, that's sweet, but absolutely not. He was like, you're either born a Jew or you come into it through the tradition. And so I was with, I was with Topher, but we weren't engaged yet, but we were talking. I knew that he was the one, like the person. It sounds so sweet, but like, whatever. We went ring shopping. We knew that we were going to do the thing. And so when he asked me, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm with someone who's, I was like, I have a, you know, a boyfriend who will be my, my husband at some point. And he goes, well, like, what is he? Or he said, like, who is he or something like that? And I was like, well, he's a goy. He's like, that's not what I meant. I just meant, like, who is this person? I was like, oh, right. But basically, he was like, if you want to convert and your partner, who you will be married to, does not want to convert, he goes, you can't convert in my synagogue. He's conservative. He said, but I will put you in touch with um, the rabbi at the Reform Synagogue. So I went and I met with the rabbi, who I now work with as well. I met with her. And I like her. I love her. But there was like, I wanted to work with the one that I had already had a rapport with. And I really wanted Topher to at least give it a shot. So, but he said that he wouldn't, he's like, I can't do any conversion with you while you're my student. Like, that's a conflict of interest. That seems wrong. Like, I will point you in the right direction and wish you luck and you can come to my synagogue, but I can't be your rabbi. So I waited the three months till I graduated. And I think it was two weeks after my graduation that I made an appointment with him and I brought Topher with me. And I told him, ha bitch, not your student. Still stuck with me though. Hi. Um, I told him <laughs> I, I was on board. I was all 
bright-eyed, bushy-tailed about the process. And he turned to Topher and he said, well, how do you feel? And Topher was like, I don't know how I feel. Like, you know, she wants to do this. I figured I'd at least come and meet you. She said that you're cool, whatever. And Rabbi told him, he said, you don't have to convert for her to convert. It's not a problem. She can convert, maybe not with me, but she can actually become a Jew. It's not a problem. He goes, and interfaith families are not a problem. He goes, you guys can have a lovely, beautiful interfaith family life. However, there will be moments in your children's lives that you won't be able to participate because you're not Jewish. He goes, so there will be moments in your children's lives where you feel like the stranger in the room. He goes, if you're good with that, because you don't find Judaism to be your thing, because you don't want to go through this process, I'm asking for at least two years of your life, plus the rest of it. Like, <laughs> that's that's not, it's fine. He goes, so if you want to go, go. Like, and Topher sat there and was like, I'm going to come with her. I'm going to learn. He goes, I don't, I don't want to not be able to do things with my kids. We weren't, we weren't married yet. We were only engaged. And he was already like, I don't want to be a stranger in my kid's life at any point, even if it's just for certain things. And so the agreement was that he would come and he would learn and he would do the stuff. And at some point he would either start to identify himself as a Jew or he would realize it wasn't for him. And it was about nine, 10 ish months into the process when we started saying things like Jews do this, they do that. They have the tradition. I really like their stuff to saying, you know, we really liked, yeah, it was, we, it was, we do this, you know, it's because we think this way because this, and he was like, there's going to be a moment where you're going to look in the mirror one day and realize like, well, I'm a Jew. Like (sighs) he's like, it's just going to be part of your identity in ways that everything else that you see in the mirror that's part of your identity is just part of who you are he's like and when that happens he goes it's beautiful and it's lovely and that's when we know that you were on the right path he's like sometimes it doesn't happen though and you know that this and you know so he was just like you've got a jewish soul and so i think it was like right before we were scheduling our name at the, uh no our bait dean which is where you meet with three rabbis for sort of an interview so that they can confirm that you're jewish um and whatever um our rabbi was like you know we never actually officially asked this tofer but are you converting <laughs> like like you're good with this right and and tofer was kind of like aren't i supposed to be asking you three times and here you're asking me if i want to be a jew <laughs> um but yeah so the process took two years we got married in that process we had a secular wedding um, we will have a Jewish wedding at some point. I will make sure we have a Jewish wedding at some point. I at least want a ketubah. If you if you are comfortable waiting, it should be after Liam's bar mitzvah, after yeah. baby boy's bar mitzvah, so yeah. that he can be like one of the one of the people in the process. This is true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just um it's just home. It's the people, it's the the things are just pragmatic, they make sense. Nothing is overly complicated. And when it is overly complicated, we can talk about it, right? Like, and we can push back in ways. Like the conservative movement is one that says you conserve the tradition so that you can break the fucking rules, right? But you have to know how to follow the rules in order to bend the rules or push them. And and, but there's meaning to the push. It's not just, I don't want to do it, right? Reforms a little bit in that space for me. We don't throw everything out and just kind of, but also not anything out. You know what I mean? Like there's that space. Yeah. Conservative is mostly, it was established as a feminist sort of Jewish movement. Because, yeah, because they wanted women to be able to 
be full and active participants in their religious exactly exactly so there's so much feminism that is sort of built in or sort of like equality really because feminism doesn't mean women are superior it means the equality of men of both genders so my daughter wears a kippah when she goes to services if she wants because she's fucking allowed to right um women go up to torah and read and have blessings over torah right men and women sit together in my in my synagogue in my congregation so those things appeal to me and you know whatever but yeah that's my convoluted crazy little story of starting out as a mormon having a moment of baptist is methodist christian stuff and then being a very finding you yeah i did a lot of like that like party girl misspent youth for a little while and said fuck that dude and then i found tradition (laughs) and i love it i'm so enmeshed in judaism it's ridiculous like i teach at two different institutions my master's thesis was on jewish women and ritual practices like i can't imagine myself not as jewish one of the funny things is that our our mutual friend has taken pictures of all the judaica in my house (laughs) yeah he's like this is a jewish home and i'm like no this is an atheist home i get to embrace the traditions that i want and i found family within the jewish tradition yes absolutely doesn't mean i'm a jew it just means that i i mesh you the joke that i always like it's like you know because all jews to ever have lived and ever will live were at sinai when when we got the tablets right and i always joke that i saw you at sinai but like i don't know if i saw you next to me or if you were just like kind of down the way peering and being like what are those people doing they seem cool <laughs> the fuck are they what is like, that yeah we're like that's that seems fun that's fire smoke some dude walking down the women sitting in the back because they can't come and see the face of god i don't really <laughs> Like you were at least in the background with us being like, what's going on over here, guys? That's <laughs> a nosy neighbor. Yeah, you were like the, the you were the yeah, the nosy pagany witch that was just like, What's happening? What's up, hey. <laughs> How's wait, it going? What, what snackies you got here? <laughs> I was one of the ants in practical magic. <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Um, I mean, and to be honest with you, like we were definitely witchy in past lives. And I'm okay with saying that because Jewish witchcraft is a thing. Suck you did it. your entire thesis on it 100 yes. percent. um lots of healing magic and and cutting of roots which makes sense because all i want to do is hang out in a garden and grow things and kind of do eastern medicine with mess with western medicine i'm not i'm not that crunchy you're not a crazy person <laughs> i'm not a crazy person you can western medicine the fuck out of my kids i'm good with it um Give but them I, all I, the vaccines yes but i also think that there's a space for things like you know Eastern. lavender for headaches and exactly peppermint um, for nausea and all that yeah yeah okay you need to get going i do so um, this has been a fun long episode some of it will get cut most of it won't and just kind of background on us right like just where we've come from and why we are as fucking crazy as we are <laughs> but also why we engage in religious conversations the way that we do like i feel like if we're going to have a podcast that engages in religious questions and also kind of challenges those and to some degree will shit on christianity a lot is because this is of why our, it, it, this is why it's our own engagement with it so yeah um thank you for listening hopefully you keep listening and next time we'll do something different and something weird and uh yeah so cheers bird Cheers, Sam. Cheers, and I will talk to you soon. See you later.